It's time for Bring It Outdoors on B93.3. Brought to you by The Power Lodge, SCR Northern, Zealand Meats, Tracker Boating Center, Vimert Outdoors Archery Pro Shop, Liveax Marine in Isle, SW Bait and Tackle, Oars and Mine Marine in Crosby, Freedom Firearms, Newman Construction, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, Your Ice Castle Dealer in Pine River, Crow Wing Recycling, Canvas Tech, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, Bermel Shoe Store in Randall, SPR Motorsports and Marine, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Now, here's your host for Brainerd Outdoors, Brian Moon. And welcome into this week's edition of Brainerd Outdoors. Plenty to talk about on this week's show. We'll recap last weekend's deer opener and see how hunters did uh, last weekend and this past week and what to do going into weekend number two. We'll also talk about some possibility. Are people ice fishing already? Plus another great recipe from Chef Joel from Black Bear Lodge and Saloon. All that and more on this week's edition of Brainerd Outdoors. And we'll kick off the show uh, talking some deer hunting. Coming off uh, opening weekend weekend, uh, we bring in Brent Beimert with Beimert Outdoors Archery Pro Shop just west of Brainerd Baxter on Highway 210. Brent uh, just got back from Illinois, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how some hunters did here in the past week or so as we head into weekend number two of the deer season. I guess we'll start, though, Brent, uh, down in Illinois where you were hunting. When we talked to you last week for the opener show, uh, you were chasing around kind of a non-typical down there, and you were bow hunting. Um, How'd you do? Well, let's say he's still running around down there. So, (laughs) But uh, we had a good hunt. Um, I kind of got hooked on that buck, seen him the first night, um, real oddball, had some, uh, stuff coming out the side of his head and everything else, and, and, uh, so I kind of got hooked on him and didn't want to shoot anything else, and I passed up uh, a couple real good bucks in the, in the whole process, and, uh, just waiting for him again, and, and, uh, unfortunately, he never showed himself. He had an antler actually coming out the side of his head that was about 15 inches long, um, kind of curled down, came up, big heavy spike basically, but then out of the main brow tine area, I don't even know, he had a few points there, and then it looked like he had something else um, kicking into the inside, and uh, once I seen all that and seen he was a mature deer, I just knew that I wanted to uh, wanted to shoot him, and um, and he had five or six beautiful points on the on the right side, but uh, I had some unfortunate uh, little beavers in the creek behind me and spooked him off. So they made a bunch of ruckus and noise splashing around, and it scared the doe, which then he, she ran up the hill and the buck followed. And and so I got hooked on him and wanted to hunt him the rest of the week, and unfortunately I never seen him again. Not every hunter actually comes across a non-typical Brent. Have you ever shot one before? I I have my biggest deer I have. He's a 5x5. Five um, frame and he has uh, five extra points. I did score him non-typical because uh, he just he fell better into that category. Um, but when you look at him, he's a more typical frame. But he's he's uh, just have some abnormals on him. But no, not a not a real goofed up non-typical. I I have not shot. So that's something that you'll head back there for in uh, maybe a few weeks. Down back to Illinois. I guess the problem you had down there too, Brent, and and you and I were talking off air a little bit, and it seems like all hunters across the country are having to deal with it. That is crop still in the field. That can be a real problem. There is crops in the fields across the Midwest, from 
from Minnesota, Iowa, Illinois. Um, when I was in North Dakota and stuff, uh, all the crops were still in. And not only does it make it a little bit tougher for deer hunting, uh, the bird hunters in North Dakota were just struggling like crazy because, you know, those those birds get in the crop and, and they can't catch up to them or flush them out. Well, kind of same thing with the deer, you know. they um, Their woods is extended. Now all of a sudden their little draw that they might be in and out, they might have a 100-acre or 500-acre cornfield next to them, and once they get in there, you lose them. And uh, we just weren't seeing the numbers down in Illinois that we typically do, and um, we're pretty sure that the majority of it is because they're in the crops in and around our woods. Um, we actually seen more bucks cruising than we did see does, and that was the main thing we were lacking was the does. And, of course, this time of the year you want the does around to bring the bucks around. So uh, we just didn't see big numbers, but we've seen some quality deer. And the thing, too, that my experience, uh, especially hunting a lot of cornfields and stuff around Wisconsin, was the fact that uh, you know once they get in there, Brent, like you said, they don't come out, and you really got to almost literally step on them to get them to come out of there. And I know a lot of people sometimes think about, uh, you know, sending some people walking through there and do some sort of drive, which could be kind of dangerous uh, for cornfields and stuff. But a lot of times, a lot of these deer that I've seen, if you do spook them, they'll get up, run about 10 yards, and you can't see them, and then they just basically lay back down. Yep, they'll just they'll turn circles around you to whichever. You know, they just they know they don't want to come out of that corn. They know they're, they're, they're in thick cover and... And, uh, yeah, they'll run up, lay down. They'll let you walk right by. If they hear you coming, a, a buck might not necessarily even get on his feet. He might just, as long as he can hear you, he'll just let you walk right on by. And, uh, you know, sometimes when you walk through corn or, or real thick cover like that, it's good to walk, stop, because when they can't hear you or see you, that's when they become nervous and their patience runs out. That's when they'll bolt. So a lot of times if if on drive, if the driver stops walking and becomes very quiet, that's when they get nervous, and you can push deer out that way. That's something to keep in mind. Uh, how did hunters do? I know you talked to quite a few people coming in and out of the shop there. Uh, it seemed like opening weekend was pretty good, and then things kind of tapered off as we got into the week. Yeah, you know, it sounds like uh, some guys had some pretty good success. We did hear of some real good bucks getting harvested, uh, you know, around the around the area. Um and then it really sounded like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, um, people weren't seeing anything. So I think there was a little lockdown going on. Maybe some of the bigger bucks had those does just hauled up in the woods. And sometimes when that lockdown happens, they just don't go anywhere. Um, they've been running. They've been going crazy for a while. They just lay tight. They feed in a small area, and they just don't move very far at all until you know, until they get bred, and, uh, you know, then the bucks will come off the does and start looking again. So hopefully that's where we get to on this last weekend, with some of those other bucks up and, and cruising. And where are we in the rut right now, Brent? Because basically what you had said is, uh, you know, last weekend for the opener, we were pretty much at peak. We've gone through a week now. Um, are we still kind of on the downside of that, or are we still what you consider peak? You know, yeah, I mean, this can always be good. Part of the problem that we do, this, you know, with the gun hunting, there's so many people in the woods and there's so much pressure, is we can turn, you know, a lot of things nocturnal. 
we've had the cold weather. Uh, for the people that have, um, you know, sat through it, maybe got, you know, really good clothes or a heated stand, that's where the success comes from at this point in time. Uh, because they'll get up and move through that midday and, and different things, too, with this cold weather. When it warms up, a lot of times they just stay laid down, but we've had the cold to keep them up. And I would say that we are, you know, I would bet that half half or three-quarters is bred. Um, but, you know, that other quarter or half that isn't, you know, things are still happening and, and rocking and rolling. So I would bet we're halfway through it. Um, and, you know, the whole, I just love the whole month of November. It's just so fun to, you never know what's going to happen, but you got to be in the woods in order to make it happen. So here we are going into the second weekend, Brent. Uh, we mentioned all the things that can be kind of somewhat troublesome. Number one, as you said, uh, the deer kind of, especially the bucks, kind of locked down a little bit. Uh, we're kind of in the backside of the rut. Uh, we've got crops that are still in the fields. These deer are a little spooked now because of all the pressure in the woods. Uh, this second weekend can be a lot different than opening weekend. What would you do differently than you've done, say, a week ago? Um, you know, not a lot. I would just, I would I'd maybe get a little deeper in the woods. Maybe try to look at your property on a piece that hasn't had very much activity, you know. Um, if the neighbors don't have much activity going on, maybe closer to their woods is better. Um, if you've been in and out of it a lot, you just got to look and think of, um, you know, where they might be hiding. Um, a lot of times, like in and around residential areas, they'll move right up into backyards and different things like that. And, you know, you got to be careful with all that, but that's where the deer are coming from. If they're coming from a small woodlot into your woodlot, you know, just think of the different places they, that they may hide that you haven't looked yet. And a couple of other things before we let you go, Brent. Uh, number one, uh, we still got late season bow. Uh, you just got the brand new Matthews into the store, and I, when you were telling me off air that you got them, I could tell the excitement in your voice. Uh, it's a pretty special time of the year for you. You know, it's just like we get. A, it's like a kid getting a Christmas present. You know, Matthews has a launch date every year. Uh, this year it was November 12th, um, so the anticipation leading up to it is always fun. And when the UPS guy comes inside with, with three new bow boxes in his hand, we can't wait to tear them open. <laughs> um, they made two brand-new bows this year coming off the Vectrix, which was a you know one of my favorite, if not my favorite, Matthews bow ever built last year in the 2019. But now they've made a VXR-28 and a VXR-31.5. Um, and, and they shoot so incredibly good, it's not even funny. Um, they got a really cool new uh, color, and it's a solid green. It's kind of like a uh, uh, like an olive green color, um, and it's really slick-looking bow, uh, and it just shoots even better. So people need to come out and just test out the new bows, you know, check out the new technology in it, and, and uh, try them out. They're awesome. There you go. We've got muzzleloader, too, uh, two weeks from this weekend as well, Brent, and uh, I'd imagine uh, Hunter's pretty excited about that. Yeah, you know, for the guys that haven't scoped their muzzleloader yet, that is legal uh, in the state of Minnesota now. Um, So guys can get a scope on their muzzleloaders and and be a little more uh, efficient that way, and and, uh, we'll have all the cleaning supplies and bullets and powder and different things that they may need, along with maybe a new gun or two. 
Um, we got some of those in stock now, and we will be getting more and more in as we go here. Um, get past this little bit of gun season, and more stuff will be showing up next weekend or next week. So it's good. It's always fun. Late season with all these crops in, though. Late season can be a different deal because now they have lots of food, um, cold weather, in and out of the cornfields, maybe the bean fields, um, you know, because a lot of times they pick those out and you don't get no food left over hardly. And But this year there's going to be food around, so that's where they'll want to concentrate then at that point. There you go. Brent Beimert, Beimert Outdoors Archery Pro Shop. You can check him out just west of Brainerd Baxter on Highway 210. Thanks, Brent. I appreciate it. We'll keep in touch, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, bud. Sounds good. Thanks, Brian. More of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. You're listening to the place for everything outdoors in the Brainerd Lakes and beyond. Brainerd Outdoors Radio just after 7, Saturday mornings, Sunday evenings at 7, and Monday mornings at 5, right here on B93.3. Now here's your host, Brian Moon. Well, it's no doubt we live in a world of apps now, and there's always the slogan, there's an app for that. In our product spotlight this week, I found an app that I'm sure deer hunters are going to find very useful. Bill Little with the Scout Look Deer Log app joins us here on Brainerd Outdoors. And Bill, tell us a little bit about it. Well, we're really excited about it. We uh, made it available weeks ago in both the iPhone and Android uh, smartphone markets, and it was born out of an idea uh, that we had um, actually probably about a year and a half ago, our website, Scout Look Weather, is designed for people that fish and hunt. And one of the things that we wanted to do was put in the hands of people that are actually outdoors engaging with uh, the things that they love to do, providing them weather where they actually need it, wind information, and, and, and so forth. And we included a deer log uh, component to having weather where you are uh, that, you know, while guys are out there sitting in their tree stands and, and gals too, or they're blinds, they can get information about uh, not only the weather, but also information that allows them to track the deers, the, the deer that they've seen and, and uh, have access to it um, for later referral. Pretty cool. Everything is, is in one easy-to-use app. We didn't want anyone to have to type anything. It's all drop-down radio buttons. When you pull up the app, the first thing it does is try to identify your location. If you have your GPS on, it'll, it'll be your exact location. And you can save all of your tree stands, as many as you'd like. Um, and when you are in those tree stands, it will identify that you're in that tree stand and you can log all of the deer sighting that you have, uh, you know, bucks, does, uh, estimate age, uh, number of points if it's a buck on one side or the other, uh, does, what they were doing, attending, uh, feeding, chasing, whatever. Um, and all of the information uh, when you hit save to log that, specific animal's uh, activity, uh, grab the weather at the exact location uh, where you were uh, so that you can look back at, at uh, all of the log entries that you've made over the course of the season or week by week or as often as you'd like to check um, to, you know, summarize and understand what was going on uh, for all the different properties you might be hunting. What Are you getting quite a bit of feedback from hunters on this, and, and what is the, the majority thinking on it? It's funny you should ask. A lot of people were, <laughs> have gotten back to us and said, I can't believe somebody else hasn't done this first, because uh, <laughs> a lot of people that, especially when you're looking at hunters uh, that, that are uh, going to outfitters or uh, have their own hunting clubs, a lot of these people have been doing it by hand, submitting it maybe to one person that's kind of, you know, dealt with... Uh, 
you know, taking track of all the different animals that uh, various hunters on that particular hunting club uh, have been have been looking at and viewing over the course of the season, and now it's all available electronically that wire that uh, sends all that information to one logbook, um, and it's accessible for anyone to use uh, within that within that hunting club. They just designate an administrator, and and uh, and uh, all that information gets streamed wirelessly right to that logbook. It's it's pretty slick. We actually started Scout Look Weather, my partner and I, Cy Weikert, uh, about three and a half years ago, and and uh, we were in upstate New York here, and, and frankly, we're pretty frustrated with the lack of information that we needed from one single source in order to get all the information to make decisions on where we hunted or fished. So I put together a, a business plan and, and thought, geez, you know, this might be something that uh, is, is a terrible idea, or it might be something that other people think if we do it right, could be interesting, and um, we, you know, now have information that that frankly is kind of a resource. It's it's much more than weather uh, to help people before they go fishing and hunting uh, can access and decide, you know, where best to go based on the information that's available to them. And what we did was a little bit unique in that we decided to make this a location-based uh, weather information resource rather than just getting vicinity or zip code forecast because people need it much more specific to where they're going, um, you know, down to a tree stand even. Um, and it's all a free website. You know, we charge for the apps, but even the Deer Log app is pretty inexpensive. Um, so that's that's kind of that, the genesis of how we got started. And you didn't stop there. There's actually apps uh, not only for deer hunters, but for anglers. And, and even I was talking with some people at the station that are huge in the golfing. Uh, there's apps for that, too. Well, we have um, uh, a fish log app, actually, that uh, we're, we're proud to uh, have had on the market for a couple of months now. And, and uh, we are now working in conjunction with BASS. It's similar to the deer log uh, deer log, of course, you know, when you're deer hunting, a lot of it's much more about observation. You know, you're going to get the occasional kill, and you can talk about that and log information uh, about how it was and where it was and so on. But fishing is much more, you know, you catch it, and you want to know what you caught it on and uh, what the wind direction was and how deep the water was when you caught it and on what lure and, and or fly, uh, the temperature of the water and so forth. So we built a, a fish log app that allows people to, to do that um, very simply, and it, at the same time, grabs all the weather every time a fish is caught and, and uh, either released or, or kept. So it's some pretty interesting stuff. If people want more information on uh, the Deer Log app or the Fish app or, or any of the other products you have, Bill, what's probably the best place to go? Well, if, they, if they're considering downloading it, uh, purchasing it, uh, and we'd certainly appreciate uh, their, their business and, and uh, welcome any insights and feedback to it, uh, they simply go to the iPhone or Google Market and uh, check it out. And there's some information about the apps that we have in the marketplace there. Uh, or they can go to scoutlookweather.com and get information uh, and become maybe a little bit more familiar about what we're all about and how simple it is to use and, and, uh, and uh, use some of the resources that are available there. Yeah, and the website, very useful as well. As Bill mentioned, there's a lot of interesting information on there. It's Bill Little. He is with uh, Scout Look, the Deer Log app, and uh, I encourage you to check that out. ScoutLookWeather.com is the best place to go for more info. Bill, we appreciate you taking the time, and uh, we'll look forward to maybe talking to you here in the future, okay? Thanks again, Brian. We'll have more Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3.
Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. And I came across this article in the Desert News, a newspaper in Utah, and how something as simple as a white canvas bag reduced deer vehicle collisions by 65%. And so we bring in Dr. Karina Reginos with the University of Wyoming, who's heading up the research on this. Dr. Reginos, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. You guys are doing some very interesting research out there at the University of Wyoming when it comes to uh, car crashes. And a lot of it is comes with something just as simple as a white canvas bag. Yeah, well, this was a bit of a surprise finding. We didn't set out to test white canvas bags, but we wound up finding uh, that they were quite effective at reducing deer vehicle collisions. Yeah, and let's start at the very beginning of this whole research project, because uh, obviously you guys out there in, in the western part of the country do things a little bit differently than we do here when it comes to deer. Obviously, you deal with mule deer, elk, other uh, species as well. Um, it all started with you guys basically had uh, poles out there with reflectors on them that everybody thought was going to be the, the way to go. Uh, from there, um, you guys actually took it. So maybe I'll let you start at the very beginning on how this all started. Sure. Um, so the Wyoming Department of Transportation um, wanted to try out these deer warning reflectors, which um, have been used in other places, but they they wanted to see if they would be effective um, in reducing deer vehicle collisions in a part of Wyoming that had a you know pretty high um, rate of, of deer vehicle collisions, mostly mule deer, but but also some white-tailed deer. And so they had put up these reflectors, and they asked us to evaluate um, their effectiveness. At first, we thought we would compare the reflector areas to some places of road, you know, some stretches of road that didn't have reflectors, but we couldn't find any comparable stretches of road. So what we decided to do was an experiment where we took the reflector zones and then we divided it up into one-mile increments and either covered them with with white bags or left the reflectors exposed. And and there was nothing magic about white bags. We just thought, you know, here's something we can do that will cover up the reflectors and stop them from reflecting. Uh, We were just looking for something that was durable, cheap, and readily available. (laughs) So that's how we wound up with white canvas bags, and we we put them over the reflectors, um, and then we alternated the configuration every month. So um, we were actually looking at collisions in the same stretches of road with the reflectors or with the white canvas bags. And um, after a year of getting carcass uh, data, we found that there were a lot fewer carcasses in the places that, um, or at times when the white bags had been deployed compared to the reflectors. So then we went on and did another experiment where we painted bags uh, black so that they wouldn't reflect at all and covered the reflectors again um, and compared the black bags to the reflectors. And we found that the reflectors were also reducing wildlife vehicle collisions, but that the white bags were being um, considerably more effective. And the interesting thing about the white bags, the theory that you guys came to and the conclusion of it that you think anyway, I thought was really interesting, too, as to why the white worked better than the black. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, we can't get into a deer's head, and this is a little bit of speculation, but we suspect that the white bags, first of all, reflect pretty well um, and may look to a deer like, um, you know, a group of deer flashing their tails and warning the other deer, you know, danger, danger, and maybe that makes the deer approaching the roadway turn away um, from the road instead of entering the road. That's where I think this whole thing is is really interesting. And, um, you know, like you had said, there's a lot of places that are taking this into consideration. As a matter of fact, the Utah uh, Department of Transportation, they're actually uh, looking to maybe implement this. 
are you guys doing going forward? I mean, are, are there people reaching out to you now going, hey, could you do some research over here or over here? Nobody has, but I'm really keen. Um, you know, basically, having found this, I would really like to find a way to take what we learned. You know, I'm certainly not saying we should all run out and stick white bags um, on posts all over the country. Um, <laughs> but I think that the the results um, suggest that this is something, you know, worth investigating. And if a white bag can be effective, um you know, maybe we can develop some kind of more permanent technology that's equally or even more effective than that. Um, and it might be, you know, a lot of people have asked me about, well, maybe the deer get used to the white bags or they get habituated to it and it would stop being effective. And I think that's a really important um, consideration. Here in Wyoming, we have a lot of migratory deer. Um, and one of the things I'm thinking about is that maybe something like like this could be deployed seasonally just during the peak migration times. So the deer aren't, you know, exposed to it all the time, but it might help reduce those collisions during, you know, really peak movement and vehicle collision times. You know, a lot more questions whether we would see the same effect if we did it multiple years in a row and, you know, in different places. I think there's a lot that needs to be pinned down just to be sure that this result is really solid. But it certainly suggests something. You know, we may be on to something good in terms of reducing wildlife vehicle collisions. One question I did have, where you put the bags, was it more of a wooded area? Was it more wide open? Because, you know, we, we kind of vary here in Minnesota. Uh, in, you know, some parts of the state are wide open. Some parts are heavily wooded. Where you put the, the, the bags out there, did you find any difference in, in the, those areas? Yeah, the areas where we put them were pretty wide open and mostly agricultural land on both sides of the road, so pretty different from a forested situation, and that's a great question. You know, would they have the same effectiveness under different conditions? I certainly hope that this will, you know, lead us to develop something from this idea and and help reduce vehicle collisions around the country. That would be fantastic because, as you know, options are pretty limited. You know, most things that people have tried have just not worked that well. Crossing structures, so underpasses and overpasses, are extremely effective, but they're very expensive and they require a lot of fencing. Um, and, and there are just some places where people aren't willing to put up all that fencing or they just don't have the funds um, to put in the crossing structures right now. And, um, of course, the advantage of, of the crossing structures is that they maintain the connectivity in the habitat, so animals can easily cross the road without worrying um, or without the road acting like a barrier to their movements. Something like the white bag technology isn't going to help in a place where traffic volume is so high that deer are struggling to cross the road. But it could be something helpful in situations, you know, where deer are able to cross the road, traffic volume is not prohibitive, um, and maybe an interim solution until there's more money to do things like crossing structures. And one last thing uh, that you mentioned, you know, maybe doing it just during their migratory times out there in Wyoming. Here in Minnesota, obviously, we deal with the rut season, as we call it, with whitetail. Uh, and that is their main mating season. Do you think maybe something like that, if we even did it just during that period, would work out? Yeah, that's an interesting. It's entirely possible. And we have the same thing in Wyoming as well. The area where we were doing this study actually is mostly a winter deer population. And they... They migrate in in the fall, and then they're there through the rut season, and that was the peak season when we were doing a lot of our 
um, data collection. So, you know, I think if it worked in Wyoming during the rut season, it, it could work somewhere else during the same season. So what are we doing going forward? I, I mean, is there is you guys are going to be doing any type of uh, testing in any other parts of the state, or is it we're just kind of in a wait-and-see mode and see where things go? Right now, I'm in a looking for further funding to pursue this further mode. <laughs> <laughs> so if people want more information, uh, Dr. Reginos, on, on this situation uh, and maybe want to follow along on some of the research that you're doing, uh, what's the best way to do that? Check out my webpage. It's uh, com. And uh, that has a copy of the report and further information if anyone is interested. There you go. That's Dr. Karina Reginos with the University of Wyoming. Some very interesting stuff. And uh, we'll be watching this with a close eye. Dr. Reginos, I I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. And good luck with your research. Thank you so much. I appreciate the time talking to you as well. More of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. And welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Time for our Hungry Hunters segment. As always, Chef Joel, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon joins us. Another great venison recipe this week, Joel. Uh, venison backstraps with Cumberland sauce. Now, I guess you're going to tell us what Cumberland sauce is, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I'll explain what it is. I don't exactly know where the where the term Cumberland sauce comes either. from. I, I just we'll... threw it out there. Maybe Cumberland, Wisconsin, but I, I don't know that for a fact. I, but... I don't know that either. <laughs> but Somebody it's... knows out there, email the show. Please let us know. <laughs> anyway, I'll let you uh, tell us about this because it sounds great. All right, so first off, we'll take our take our back strap all cleaned up. We'll season it up real nicely, a little bit of salt and pepper, let it sit, let it come up room temperature. While we're doing that, we'll make our sauce, our Cumberland sauce. So we're going to start off with a shallot and a little bit of, uh, a little bit of butter. Just cook that off for, you know, 60 60 uh, seconds, just enough to kind of sweat it and get it translucent. I'll hit it with some port wine, let that reduce, add in a little, some beef stock, bring that up to a boil, add in your dry mustard, some cayenne pepper, and then you can either use cranberries or uh, fresh raspberries, any kind of any kind of fresh uh, berry is what you're looking for. Add that in there, let that kind of reduce down, um, a little bit of fresh lemon zest, fresh orange zest, and some salt and pepper. Let that come to a boil, and then turn it off, kill the heat, and then let it simmer for a minute. While our sauce is cooking, we can throw our backstrap in the pan, you know, under over uh, medium high heat, get a nice color on all the sides. You know, we're just looking for a, a medium rare on the inside. So pull that out, let it sit, let it rest. You know, as you go to slice it, kind of save some of the juices that come off of your come off of your uh, backstrap. We can drain that into our into our Cumberland sauce, get a little extra a little extra flavor in there with that. You know, pour our sauce over our nice medallions, and we got a good meal. Yeah, we do. Uh, and this is the first I've heard of Cumberland sauce before, but uh, you've already made me a fan. Uh, it sounds like something that would be fantastic, not only over venison, but um, any, any kind of meat. Any you could even use this over some fish. Probably be good too. Chicken as well. Chicken. Yep. So if you've got any other wild game out there, give it a try. Uh, it's venison backstraps with Cumberland sauce. It's our Hungry Hunter recipe for this week. Check it out by heading to BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com. Click on the Recipes tab, and there's a bunch of other ones there for you to check out as well. Chef Joel, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, 371 North and Baxter. Thanks, Joel. Thank you, Ryan. 
And that'll put a wrap on our Deer Opener special here on Brainerd Outdoors. Don't forget, you can catch Brainerd Outdoors each and every weekend, uh, Saturday mornings just after 7, Sunday evenings at 7, and Monday mornings at 5 right here on B93.3. Uh, you can also stream the show live if you're out of town or away from your radio. Just go to BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com. Click on the Listen Live tab. You can also listen on demand there, and we're all over the podcast network. So wherever you download podcasts, search Brainerd Outdoors. Give us a rate and review. We'd really appreciate that. And we'll see you next week for another edition of Brainerd Outdoors. I'm Brian Moon. Brainerd Outdoors has been brought to you by The Power Lodge, SCR Northern, Thielen Meats, Tracker Boating Center, Vimert Outdoors Archery Pro Shop, Liveax Marine in Isle, SW Bait and Tackle, Oars and Mine Marine in Crosby, Freedom Firearms, Newman Construction, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, Your Ice Castle Dealer in Pine River, Crow Wing Recycling, Canvas Tech, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, Bermel Shoe Store in Randall, SPR Motorsports and Marine, and by Rag your truck accessory pros join brian moon saturday mornings at seven sunday evenings at seven and monday mornings at five right here on b93.3